making amends is a really great way to help the process of self-forgiveness. What I will say is that even after the amends has been made, if it is appropriate, that doesn't necessarily clear the feeling on the inside of, I cannot believe I used to be the person that did that. Hi, and welcome to the Unashamedly Human podcast, where we explore how we can better understand our thoughts, feelings and actions, change our results, and feel less alone as we navigate this crazy little thing called life. My name is Emily Chadbourne, and I recorded this episode live in my free Facebook group, Unashamedly Human with Emily Chadbourne. If you're not a member yet, head to the show notes to join this global community and you'll be able to join me live next week as I record the next episode of Unashamedly Human, the podcast. Make sure you follow me on Instagram too, Unashamedly Emily, and enjoy this episode. Dear Em, my life is very different to what it was three years ago and I've changed as a person. I've become a mother, a wife, and now my self-development is going further through joining the hub but I'm really struggling to forgive myself for my past. I wasn't a very nice person to some people. I did some horrible things. I hurt people and was definitely not the best version of myself. I was wondering if you could speak to forgiving ourselves for our past and our actions because it's something that keeps me up at night and I think about it often. So, good morning, Naomi. How are you doing? Good morning, Bonnie. Hi, Jodie. How are you doing? So, the lady who wrote this email for today's podcast episode is actually a member of the hub so I have directed her there is a whole heap of content in the hub about forgiveness so not just forgiveness of other people it's also forgiveness of self so it's self to self self to others and others to self because let's be honest there are some people who we probably should be seeking some forgiveness from right we often think that forgiveness is about forgiving our past ex-boyfriend or like Forgiving our boss for being a dick or forgiving our dad for not loving us well enough or whatever, right? We tend to think that that is the predominant narrative around forgiveness. But actually it goes three ways. So it goes, yes, the forgiveness of other people so that we can set ourselves free. It also incorporates making amends so that we seek forgiveness from other people. And then we've got self to self. So forgiving ourselves for who we used to be, what we used to do, how we used to talk to ourselves, how we used to treat ourselves, how we used to treat other people, yada, yada, yada. So forgiveness isn't just a 2D, one-way street. It is multifaceted, if you like. So I'm going to start with like an overall thing. Then I'm going to give you some actionable steps and kind of work into some of the... What's the word I'm looking for? Just going to leave that sentence hanging. Not everything needs to be finished, does it? Like that sentence does not need to be finished. We're going to roll on through like it never happened. All right, here we go. So the way I look at myself and I look back at who I used to be, I mean, I can go back as far as secondary school. I was a dick. And we can put a forgiveness frame around that of like, well, you were 14 on all 14 year old girls dicks. You know, I could justify it. Probably some of it is reasonable justification. But I look back at how I behaved when I was a teenager. And I'm not proud of that. I'm not okay with that. I'd be dismayed if my niece behaved like that towards other people. 
it wasn't cool. And I can see that I knowingly, willingly, and consciously hurt other people in order to, to try and keep myself safe. Now, the reason that I hurt other people is inconsequential, right? And again, I can sit here and I can justify it. I can say, well, I was only 14. I didn't know any better. I was trying to stay on top of the pack. I didn't want to be bullied myself. You know, I didn't really do any bullying. I just sort of stood in silence while other people did it. That's still not okay, man. <laughs> like, it's not okay. That behavior is not acceptable for me now. Now, if I move along my timeline to, let's say, my 20s, where, you know, I was at university, I was probably a bit more of a a less bitchy, less catty person, but it was still survival of the fittest for me. I was still operating through my protection mechanisms. I was still worried about what other people thought about me. I was still in a huge crisis of confidence and faith in myself. I didn't know who I was. I was more concerned with how you thought of me than how I thought of me. And again, these are elegant, eloquent, potentially reasonable justifications for some of the more shitty behavior, cheating on boyfriends or, you know, like just like stuff that I wouldn't even consider to do in my incarnation, in my experience today. Then I move into my 30s. You know, there was a lot of lying to myself, first and foremost. But of course, if you're lying to yourself, you can't not be lying to other people. It's impossible. And so there was a lot of, use the word sort of depressive moments as opposed to depression. And a lot of fear and a lot of self-judgment and a lot of self-loathing. And that cannot do anything but show itself to other people through me shutting down, pushing people away, getting angry and irritable with other people bitching about other people so that I can feel better about myself. And again, potentially reasonable justifications for my behavior, but still not acceptable behavior for the person that I am today. So I think the first thing I want to say is, I think almost all of us have got some part of our past timeline where we can look back and be like, wow, man, that wasn't cool. I hurt some people. I was bitchy about people. I cared more about myself than anyone else around me to the point that I allowed myself to hurt people unnecessarily. I'm pretty sure almost everyone has some kind of thing in their past that they can look to and be like, yeah, that wasn't good, man. The way I see it and the way that I have learned to come to peace with it is sort of twofold. The first is I'm not the person that I was when I was 14 in a playground or when I was 20 at uni or when I was 30 and hating my life. I am not that person today. And so when I look back on those times when I was less than agreeable, I do so through the lens of compassion. Because if I do it through the lens of judgment, I just feel shame about who I am today. And if I feel shame about who I am today, I'm actually unconsciously stoking the same fires that led me to be the 14-year-old who allowed bullying to take place around her, to be the 20-year-old who cheated on ex-boyfriends, to be the 30-year-old who was so deep in her protection mechanism that she couldn't be open and vulnerable with anyone else. Like I'm still stoking, the shame stokes that same fire, even though I wouldn't necessarily do the action anymore. The emotional stuff behind it is still the same. So I have to put down the lens of judgment and I have to pick up the lens of compassion. I have to allow myself the forgiveness frame of, I didn't know any better. 
I didn't know how else to operate within my social circle. I didn't know how to be more vulnerable. I didn't know then what I know now. And if I knew then what I know now, I would have been different then, but I wasn't. And I have to maintain that narrative for myself. I have to allow that container to hold me as I reflect back on some of my past behavior. And I use it now as a reference point of, my God, look how far I've come. My God, I would never do that again. My God, I'm such a different person now. And I use that as a reference point towards how far I have come, how awesome that is, how amazing the transformation has been, because that encourages me to continue on the journey of personal and spiritual development. Would you like daily text messages of support, positivity and love sent personally from me straight to your phone? Then sign up for Wake Up With Em. It's the affirmation service you didn't know you needed. The first month is free if you follow the link in the show notes. Good morning. You're awesome. One thing I will say is it's like, you know, you don't walk around going, oh my God, guys, I've just got this massive thing to share with you, right? Like, oh my God, it's really embarrassing, but I'm going to tell you anyway, right? You'll never guess what happened to me. I shit in my pants. Because we'd all be like, oh my God, what happened? Like, did you eat a dodgy prawn? Where were you? Were you okay? Was anyone else around? And then you're like, well, it was a while ago, to be honest. I was like three years old. And we'd all be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Everyone shits their pants when they're three years old. Now, obviously, the enormity and the intensity and the gravity of shitting your pants as a three-year-old and bullying someone in the playground when you were 14 or cheating on a partner when you were in your 20s or just generally being a bit of a twat in your 30s is completely different. However, when we strip out the emotional intensity of it, it's not that dissimilar, really. Who you were back then was doing the best that you could, whether that be pulling up your sphincter and regulating your bowel movements or whether it is regulating other releases of energy manifest in our behavior and our actions and so while I can forgive myself for being three years old and shitting myself because that doesn't have an effect on anybody else it is I will grant you much harder to forgive myself for that sort of emotional release onto other people that cause them harm or hurt however just bear in mind that you are no longer that person you're no longer a three-year-old that shits yourself you're no longer the sort of person who did some horrible things and hurt people. You are no longer that person. In AA, in the 12-step program, which is, I mean, I've been studying personal development for five or six years now, and I think the 12-step program is potentially one of the best frameworks for personal development that I've ever come across, and I definitely have elements of it, obviously, Emilyized in the hub. And actually, I came across the 12 steps through Russell Brand to begin with before I walked into an AA meeting when I knew that I needed to stop drinking and I thought that just reading Russell Brand's recovery book would be enough to to have me kick the habit. But as it turns out, I was an addict. And if you're an addict, you need to do more than just read a book. You go to AA. So I walked into an AA room and without doubt, there's no way I'd be sober if I hadn't taken that action. However, before that, in the build-up, in the painful build-up where I was beginning to recognize that as much as I was saying I was going to stop drinking, I was still drinking a bottle of wine before 6 p.m. every day, I picked up Russell Brand's recovery book. So Russell Brand 
who is rather famously a member of the AA program, has written this book, it's a few years old now, kind of rebranding the 12 steps to make it less about surrendering your power to God and more about like, okay, like, how do we modernize these 12 steps so that they're accessible for everybody in a language that doesn't put people off? It's a brilliant fucking book, whether you think that you might have an addiction to alcohol, to cigarettes, to your phone, to porn, to gossip, right? Everyone is addicted to something on some kind of level. You know, how many times have you been like, right, I'm going to put my phone down. I'm not going to look at it again until I finish this piece of work. And then like 30 seconds later, you don't even know how it happened. You didn't even have conscious awareness of it, but your phone is in your hand and you're down the rabbit hole, like checking out what the Kardashians were wearing yesterday. Like it's so fucked. Like that's the voice of experience. I have to lock my phone in a different room if I really want to get an intense amount of work done because I can't have it in front of me. Anyway, there's all sorts of things around habits that go along with that kind of behavior as well. This is just a little aside, but in the hub we do, there are like, Three. I think there's three videos in the hub all about habits, which is based on the work of James Clear, who wrote Atomic Habits, which is a phenomenal book. And like I give you the sort of simplified, simple, simplified version of that book, because, you know, how we form habits and the four steps of a habit, really, really interesting. And knowing that kind of content can really help you manage your life so that you can break bad habits and form really good habits. But when it comes to addiction, it's a bit more than just a habit, right? So the 12 steps by Russell Brand or recovery by Russell Brand, which is the 12 steps. Step four in the 12 step process is in the AA program, we call it the inventory step, right? You take an inventory of every single person, every experience, every company, everything that's ever pissed you off. Takes a while. I'm not going to lie about it. And you write it all down. You write down all the things that have fucked you up everything that has ever annoyed you, the people, the experiences. And you go through and there are various questions which you have to ask about each incident along the way. And it's a great way of, and we do this through the hub as well, except I've kind of branded it in my own sort of way. But it brings you back to this place of responsibility of like, yes, that thing happened to me. Yes, that person did that to me. Yes, that thing fucked me off. But as a result of my reaction to it, this is how I have manifested my reality on the back of that thing happening and so it brings you back to this beautiful space of responsibility and if you've been following my stuff for a while you will know that responsibility is key for any change while you outsource your power and control to another person with blame then you will never ever ever be in the position to change your shit because while it's somebody else's fault while it's somebody else's problem it's also somebody else's solution to change it So you completely disempower yourself the moment that it's somebody else, it's your ex-husband's fault, it's your ex-boyfriend's fault, it's your dad's fault, it's whatever, yada, 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 yada. So taking responsibility is always the first step on any kind of spiritual or personal development. It's the first step towards change. And what step four does is it helps create a neutrality against this person did this to me and it brings you into a responsibility for how you have manifested on the back of that incident the current results that you see in front of you now. Step nine is about making amendments. And I think this is what is going to be particularly interesting for the person who wrote this question in. When you make amends, what you are literally doing is, I mean, there are some steps between four and nine, obviously. But after step four, you begin to recognize how 
your reaction to what has happened to you in life has led you to take certain behavior. And that certain behavior has hurt other people around you. And you need to make amends for those behaviors. Now, when we talk about making amends, what we're not going to do is pick up the phone to the wife of the husband that you slept with a few years ago, even though she doesn't know that that affair ever happened and tell her that you're sorry, right? We don't make amends if it's going to make the situation worse. And we don't make amends to continue to hurt other people in the justification of making ourselves feel better. That's not what forgiveness is about. Making amends is if it is appropriate, then we reach out not so that you can forgive me so that I can feel better, but so that we can forgive ourselves. So we have to disattach from the outcome of the conversation or the letter that we write or the email that we send. So what that means is, I'll give you a perfect example. I've been sat in many an AA room where someone has said, oh, I'm on step nine at the moment and I wanted to go and I wanted to make amends to my brother, for example, for how I've behaved over the years in the depths of my addiction and he just closed the front door in my face and doesn't want anything to do with me. You, you have to be prepared that not everyone wants your forgiveness. Not everyone is prepared to listen to you. And that the whole point of making amends isn't so that you can seek forgiveness from other people so that you're off the hook. That's not how it works. And often great relationships have been really healed and other people have found real closure when someone has come up and said, hey, you know that thing I did to you three years ago that was fucked and I'm really sorry and it was totally shitty. So there are certain contexts when that kind of conversation is really important. And again, in the hub, I give frameworks around how to make an apology, how to make amends with people, because there is a certain sort of framework that you can follow that ensures that that is a really resourceful conversation and not a blaming conversation or it doesn't spiral into, you know, even more of a, a discord or, you know, or that it, it, it doesn't come across as like needy and grabby. So... The reason that I talk about steps four and steps nine is that, number one, that work is in the hub in a, in a very Emily fashion. It's not, you know, cut and paste. It's, it's my version of how I see that working in my day-to-day -day life. But I think it is potentially important sometimes that you do make amends. It's not always necessary. Sometimes you might want to write a letter that you're never, ever, ever going to send to another person. And that's okay. You write the letter as they are reading it and then you burn the letter. Again, the wife of the man that you had an affair with, for example, you might want to write her a letter that you never send and that you rip up and you burn afterwards. And I'm not saying that you've had an affair. I'm just using that as an example of a, moment, a time when you would not make amends, right? Because this poor woman didn't know. You're not going to go and turn her life upside down because you want to feel better about yourself. So in those sorts of instances, you can just, you know, sort of create your own dialogue and your own conversation with the other person in your imagination but sometimes there are really valid times where you just be like hey can we have a chat because you know I did that thing to you three years ago and that was shit and I'm sorry so quite often making amends is a really great way to help the process of self-forgiveness if like me you love reading cool stuff listening to interesting interviews and hearing funny quirky stories that feel really relatable then sign up for my famous Friday emails. They're jam-packed with awesomeness, and if you sign up and you're not into it, you can always unsubscribe. Link in the show notes, and I look forward to being in your inbox on Friday. It's Friday! What I will say is that 
even after the amends has been made, if it is appropriate, that doesn't necessarily clear the feeling on the inside of, I cannot believe I used to be the person that did that. And so this loops me back around to the opening kind of theme and conversation that we were having, which is that, you know, you have got to give yourself permission to change. And there's lots of things that you can do. You can write out forgiveness sentences every night. I did quite a lot of mirror work when I was in the depths of my self-forgiveness. So at the end of the night, I would take my makeup off. So I was completely barefaced. There was no mask. There was no pretending to be anything. Even I wasn't even pretending that my eyebrows were healthier than they are in real life. I was literally stripped back, zero makeup on, and I would just stare at myself in the mirror. And I had to say seven things that I forgave myself for in the mirror. And they could be at any point in my timeline. It could have been like, oh, I forgive myself for getting a parking ticket today, you know, or it could have been, you know, whatever. But and some of them were really big. Some of them were like, God, I forgive myself for that thing that I did when I was 17 years old. And those things I had to say over and over and over and over and over and over again, night after night after night after night after night, because after each one, you kind of judge your emotional charge to it. It's really easy for me to forgive myself for getting a parking fine, much harder to forgive myself for the shitty human that I was when I was 17. And again, what we're doing is we're understanding, it's like you're splitting yourself into two selves. It's like, this is the current self. This is the older self. This is the wiser self. This is the more parenting self, soothing, more compassionate, more loving self. And I am going to soothe my past self, like almost like a different sort of person, because I am a different person, a completely different person. Like I wouldn't recognize the person that I was at 17. Thank God I'll never be 17 again in this incarnation. And so I kind of like allow my, it's almost like you are seeking forgiveness from from somebody else because who you are today is forgiving the version of you that you were yesterday. So that is also something, and I did that for months and months and months and months and months. And even now, every now and then I'm like, oh, I think I just need to do some self-forgiveness stuff. And the, and the way that I know I need to do some self-forgiveness stuff is that I feel either triggered in some conversations and that trigger will always come as shame for me. So like we might be talking about bullying, for example, with some friends and I'll be like, oh, yee, there's still some still a little bit of stagnant something there and it might not be big and it might not even seem like a big deal but I'm not going to let that energy as minute as it might be hang around and affect the version of me that I am becoming today tomorrow and the day after and into my future so I will go and I will do some forgiveness work on that and it might be as simple as writing my past self a letter writing the person in the playground a letter might be standing in front of the mirror and telling myself that I forgive myself with no makeup on and looking myself directly in the eye. Might be screaming and crying out. It doesn't. It almost doesn't matter what works for you will be so unique to you. So give some of the techniques a try. Loads of them sitting in the hub. But ultimately, the other thing that I want to say is that it's a bit like, you know those old-fashioned abacuses? I don't really know how an abacus works because I don't really know how numbers work as a general rule, but you know, you've got the little beads that you move from one side to the other. And the way that I am currently experiencing the idea of karma, and I am not talking necessarily this rather intricate Buddhist way of looking at karma. I'm just like, if there was a point system in this incarnation, in the incarnation of Emily Chabourne, against the shitty stuff I've done and the really great stuff I've done, for a really long time, even though I was still doing really great stuff and really good stuff and I was being this new person and I was 
moving into this kindness and compassionate vibrational frequency and I was serving my community and I had completely shifted out of that mean girls human that I used to be I still hadn't quite like the scale hadn't quite tipped so I still had more beads on the side of my abacus where I was a dick and less beads on the side of my abacus where I was not a dick and so I still felt the imbalance. It felt like overall I'm still a dick, even though in the last couple of years I've been doing all these things to try and reform myself, if that makes sense. After a while, what tends to happen as you continue on your personal and spiritual development path, you will begin to realize that you've got more beads stacking up in there. Look at all the good shit that I'm doing. Look at all the people I'm helping. Look at all the love and the compassion and the forgiveness and the gratitude look at all of that end of the scale and it begins to feel like the kind of scale shifts a little bit, if that makes sense. All of a sudden, the good that you have done, the love that you have shared, the compassion that you have bestowed and the vibrational frequency that that has pushed out into the community of people around you begins to outweigh the stuff that you did in your past. And while you're waiting for that balance to tip onto the other side... It, it does feel a bit like, oh, I'm still, I'm doing all these really, really good things, but I still feel like the girl in the playground, or I still feel like the bitch in my 20s, or I still feel like the dickhead in my 30s. And so it's about allowing yourself the time to continue cultivating more beads on the side of, you know what, I'm really getting somewhere. I really am growing into the best version of myself, and I'm doing that with conscious awareness, and I'm doing it with grace, and I'm doing it with compassion, and I'm doing it with a lot of courage and bravery in my heart. So continue racking up beads on the side of compassion and love and eventually the scale will begin to tip over into that end of it. So this is one of the questions that's just coming in live. Is it possible to forgive yourself even if the people you hurt don't forgive you? Yes, because your opinion of you is not dependent on what other people think of you. And you cannot expect somebody else to forgive you so that you can forgive yourself. That's not what making amends is about. We're not waiting for someone to pardon us from our past behavior. That's not what making amends is about. What you are doing when you are making amends is you are talking through the shame of what you have done right? By bringing it out in the open, when you're talking about something that you are ashamed of, it immediately loses its power the moment that you bring it out in the, in the open and you bring it out from the shadows. So you are putting it out there, you're exposing it to light, so it immediately loosens its grip on you. So the moment that you do that, you will begin the process of self-forgiveness and how somebody else reacts to your seek for amendment. No, how someone else reacts to you is, irre is irrelevant. And also sometimes you, you are not in charge of somebody else's personal and spiritual development. Like it's not for you to turn around to the friend that you hurt a few years ago and be like, oh my God, like you've got to forgive me because if you forgive me, you'll set yourself free. And like, it's like you've got no idea where that person is on their own you know, journey. They may hold a grudge for the rest of their lives. Now we learn through the hub that the more that we hold on to the grudges, the weightier and heavier and heavier that we get and the more distant we get from the unity and the love and the compassion and the belonging that we're all seeking. But not everyone is having those conversations. Some people are still in a great deal of pain and a great deal of hurt and they are still pumping out their protection mechanisms in order to try and keep themselves safe. And so we don't get to judge that. 
at all. Yeah, seeking amendment is not about having someone forgive you so that you can feel at peace. It's not. It's about having an honest, open conversation so that you can feel less shame about your past actions so that you can put yourself on the pathway to self-forgiveness. And if that brings somebody else relief or if it brings somebody else healing or if it heals a relationship in the process, that is excellent. What an awesome, awesome, awesome additional Brucey bonus to the process. That's it for today's episode. I trust you loved it. And remember, you can join me as I record these episodes live. All of the details are in the show notes. If you love this episode, I'd really appreciate you sharing it on your socials. And please tag me, Unashamedly Emily. You can also share it through Spotify. And if you're listening on iTunes, then please rate and review. It really helps other people find this valuable content. And as always, nothing beats a good bit of word of mouth. So let your mates know all about this podcast. If you're interested in joining my global coaching community, the Unashamedly Human Hub, check out the link in the show notes. See you in the next episode and keep being brave.